Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner with Jared Cosby, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have JJ Saldana. JJ works at the Idaho Commission of Hispanic Affairs. He's here to tell us all about it. Welcome, JJ. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so uh, what is the Idaho Commission for uh, on Hispanic Affairs? So it's the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs. We are a state agency, so we work under the governor's office. Okay. And our job is to be the eyes and ears for the governor and lieutenant governor when it comes to the Hispanic community. So we travel around the state. Okay. Um, we do what we call site visits, and so we visit with everything from education, local leaders, from mayors to chief of police to find out how they're working with our community and then find out what their successes are, what their challenges are, and what kind of resources they need. And then we host town hall meetings where we invite the community to come in and tell us what their issues are. And all of that gets wrapped up into a report that we send out to the lieutenant governor and the governor. Um, we also are, um, we collect all the data on the Hispanic community here in Idaho. So um, if you ever need any kind of data on that, we have that data. Mm. If not, we can find it for you. Um, and then we host the largest gathering of Hispanics in the state of Idaho, which is a youth summit every year. And this year, we're actually doing two of those. And, and those youth summits are for 7th through 12th graders. Um, and 12th graders actually get to... Um, apply for scholarships there. Every single college and university from Idaho is there offering scholarships, and then okay, including wow. Portland State University. Okay. All right, so, um, okay, let's, let's go to the youth, youth summit. So this yes. sounds pretty cool. So 7th, 12th graders, um, and so the 12th graders are actually buying for some college scholarships. Yes. So how do they get them? Like, what's, what's the process? So really, they just register for the summit, and then it's my job to separate all the seniors from those, and then they mark what colleges they're interested in, and then I send those applications to every single college, oh. and then the colleges themselves set up appointments f during that summit for them to come and talk to them. Okay. And so that day at the summit, they announce who got the scholarship, so it's a really fast process. Yeah, and so... Um, I'm curious. So, how does uh, so what what does a senior need to do in order to have a better looking application process? Or like, what is it? What are they looking for? Like, every university is different as far yeah. as what they're looking for, and what you get on paper and what you get in person are totally different. Sure. Um, we've had universities that said, "Oh, we were almost going to write this person off until he or she came and spoke with us." Interesting. And then they end up getting scholarship once they spoke with them, wow. and vice versa. Sometimes they, you know, when public or well, when you meet somebody face to face it's not the same as to what you see sure. everything that they've done in school so it's yeah. it really does vary wow and each scholarship each university scholarships are very unique to their own and at these summits what else is happening because you, know, you have seventh graders yes. eighth graders ninth, all the way up so so what? we have workshops including college prep and stem are our big ones okay. this year we're including some health um, stuff on how to get jobs in the health field because last year 45% of our students responded saying that they want to learn how to get into that field. Wow. Okay. So St. Alphonsus is going to be working with us so they're going to be doing some workshops for us at the Boise one on October 24th. Cool. Wow. So, and so um, and is it different? So every year the summits are a little different, right? Or are they similar? There's some differences. Um, okay. We focus on different things. Um, we, this year, for example, we're going to have a mental health focus with our keynote speaker. So we have Mia St. John, who's a professional boxer. She's a boxing champion. Wow. Um, she's actually lived in Boise for a year. She went to Boise State for one year. Um, oh. But she's going to be talking about mental health. Um, oh. She. 
her son um, committed suicide um, mm. a few years ago, so she's going to be talking about um, the impacts on that and what she could have done more. Yeah. And um, wow, so that, that sounds really impactful. And then how many people attend these summits? So this year, we're, we have 677 students registered for the summit. Um, last year, we had 781 students. Mm. And so this year, we decided to do two summits um, because of that, because we were busting at the seams at Boise State. I'm kind of surprised they didn't kick us out for having so many people, because besides the students, you have the presenters, the chaperones, and the speakers. So it was over 1,000 people. So this year, that's why we're hosting two. Okay. And uh, so, JJ, so... Um, See if I have my facts right here. Have you been with this organization for like 18 years? Is that correct? Yes, I started right after college. Wow. (laughs) It's my first adult job. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And my only adult job. And wow, okay. And so what has it been like? I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time. Have you seen progress? how has it been, not just for within the organization, but for yourself as you've gone through this? Well, originally, so I moved to Boise to attend Boise State, and okay. my goal was to go to school and then move back. I'm from Nevada. Okay. But I fell in love with Boise almost immediately, so I've stayed here. Um, so being in an organization that's also giving back to our community has been really fun. So, so that's the great part of my job is I sure. get to work, and I get to meet so many people. Like I said, we have Mia St. John. Yeah. Um, we've had actor Danny Trejo come down to our summit a couple times, and I don't know if you know who he is, but he's amazing. Um, and so I've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people. Um, my I was originally going to be a teacher, so I'm kind of glad that I'm still doing some education stuff, but mm-hmm. um, this kind of work has been just really fulfilling because we're giving back to our community. Yeah. Okay. And so let's let's talk about the Hispanic community, the okay. one that you're trying to serve. Okay. I mean, what are the things that um, you're uh, you're discovering through this process that, or you're reporting back? Like, what what are you learning, and then the, reporting to the governor? Like, what are the challenges or the successes that you're seeing right now? Well, since the last presidential election, our office has just been bombarded with phone calls and there's a lot of fear out there. Okay. And so we spent all last summer traveling everywhere from Bonners Ferry all the way to Roberts, Idaho. And so I had never even heard of Roberts, Idaho until last year. Where's Roberts, Idaho? It's, um, <laughs> the, it's on the border between Idaho, it's Idaho and Wyoming. Oh, okay. And so- Oh um, yeah, right, yeah. okay, yeah. So we travel quite a bit. Um, just trying to calm a lot of the fears that community are having. But with us, we took with us ACLU of Idaho traveling with us. The Mexican consulate traveled with us and Catholic mm. Charities of Idaho traveled with us. Okay. So they could answer a lot of the immigration stuff because as a state agency, we don't deal with immigration. Right. So we're like, but these guys can answer these questions for you. And so um, going there and having them there has been great. And at all of these meetings, we've invited local police um, to come and also speak at these because there's a big fear with just law enforcement in general. Sure. And so we're trying to have, the, we're working really hard to uh, make sure that there isn't a fear with law enforcement because we want them to feel safe to be able to report anything to law enforcement. Um, we see a lot of folks that don't report crimes because they are, they have that fear. And so, and I always like to promote Boise PD um, mm. because they really are setting a good example for, and I'm always telling other police stations, look at what they're doing. Because, yeah, so let's, let's, let's focus on that for a minute. Okay. So what are some of the things you think they're doing that are kind of, stand, you know, are worth recognizing? One thing that I'm super excited about is they are now going to be offering Spanish classes to all their officers. Okay. And so they're, the officers can, will be able to take some courses through Boise State University to learn Spanish. Um, they have a Hispanic liaison. And he does phenomenal work working with all. And he's at all the Hispanic events, Hispanic fiestas and all that stuff. 
And he's um, trying to recruit more Hispanic um, officers onto the field, not just Hispanic, but he wants to have a diverse police force. And so, and I think that's really important. Yeah, great. And and so you said, um, you know, there's been a lot of changes since the latest uh, you know, pre- presidency change. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, prior to that, what were some, what have been some of the, you know, you've been doing this, you've been, you have a front row seat for yes. this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is it, you know, things kind of been changed in that, um, you know, as you're, I want to say tenure, but it's more like eighteen year <laughs> uh, time there because um, it seems like the the issues or the challenges might be changing, or are they stayed similar? Than- Not, I think there's there's been changes. Like I said, there's a lot more fear now with our yeah. community, and it's a lot of people think, oh well, it's just for the undocumented. No, it's in general. There's a lot more fear that you know there's going to be racial profiling on a lot of stuff. So. Oh, okay. um, and it doesn't matter if you're here legally or not, you're still going to be profiled based on mm. the color of your skin. And so there's that fear there. Um, there's um, in schools across the board, we're seeing a lot more absentees mm. because of this fear. Um, we're seeing more bullying. And the situation with the bullying has been really weird for me because w- teachers are telling parents, well, your son has been caught bullying and he's saying this and this and this to Hispanic student. And the parent is coming back and saying, well, I agree with my son. So oh, then the wow. teacher is okay. saying, Tough. Okay, so what do I do now? Right. Yeah, yeah, there's, right. No, there's no one on their side. Yeah, right. and so um, we're working with Tricky. the Idaho Department of Education to see how we can resolve that because teachers are like, how do I respond to a parent like that? Yes, right. I can see why they would. And so, and before, education's always been a priority for us because there's an right. educational gap. And so we're trying to close that um, gap. We want to see more of our, we're seeing more of our students graduate okay. and we're seeing more of our students go into college but they're not graduating from college. So right now, that's why we host these summits also with the college prep, because we want to see them get on campus and graduate and hopefully going on to grad school and doctorates and so on. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little deeper then as okay. far as education goes um, for the Hispanic community. Um, is is it So is it below other you know, um, ethnicities, um, or is it similar? Or? It's very similar to the Native Americans. We see, we're okay. pretty on par with Native Americans because a lot of times we'll get people say, well, it's because it's a language barrier, right? And no, because obviously the Native American communities also go into the same situation. So okay. it's not really a, a language barrier. Um, so we're trying to figure out what it is because this problem's been going on for over 40 years. And okay. so we're like, how do we close it? Previous superintendent, Tom Luna, used to say, well, we're going to eliminate that gap. And I thought, well, that sounds great because we do want to eliminate it, but let's be reasonable. We have right. to just shrink, and it's going to take a long time to process and get everything done. Um, so we're trying to figure it out. Are we? I partner quite a bit with the Department of Education's Indian Ed Coordinator, mm-hmm. and so we are planning kind of a road trip where we're going to just travel the state and visit schools with high um, Indian population, high Hispanic population, just just kind of have maybe lunch with a lot of those educators and then ask them, what do you need from us? How can we help you? How can we get you better resources? And then another thing that we see quite a bit that's a problem, this is across the board, is parental involvement. We want to see parents get more involved. We um, do a a curriculum called Parent-School Partnership, where it teaches the parents what their um, rights are in the school system, but also what their responsibilities are. You don't just drop your child off and give all the responsibilities to the school. Right. 
I mean, well, there needs to be some overlap so yeah. they know what's happening at school, and the school kind of well, needs uh, to know what's yeah, know, going so on. And at I, home. Think, I think that's kind of generational, right? Because that maybe used right. to be more of the trend uh, years, decades ago, and now it seems. Well, in yeah. our community, we see um, Hispanic parents see parent um, teachers as golden, like their opinion is golden, and they don't they try not to question you know, a teacher when they're something. And I'm like, no, you have the right to question them. Right. You know, they have the, they have a lot of respect for educators. And I'm like, no, oh, if, okay. you don't, if you don't feel right with what's happening, you have every right to question that. Mm-hmm. I recommend that parents um, look at their child's school record twice a year. And I say, do it during the time change. That's a good time for you to remember to, because whatever happens on their school record stays with it mm-hmm. until they graduate. Parents mm-hmm. can request to have things taken off and there's a 50% chance that they can get it off. But if it's not taken off, parents can write, on that school record, we don't agree because this, this, and this. Interesting. What, what would be a specific example of that? So there was this kid. He was considered um, a trouble kid because he was caught peeing by a tree while he was waiting for the bu- school bus. Mm-hmm. And so that stayed with him, and they just kept saying that he was a troublemaker. The reason he was peeing by the bus is the school was closed. The bus was late, and so he couldn't get in the building. And right. He really needed to go, so he went and peed behind a tree. And so then they put that on his school record. Wow. Yeah. And so that, That's a bummer. Yeah. So with, like, with some <laughs> explanation. Like yeah, so the parents literally doing, had to go on there and re- say, this is why this is on here. Right. Yeah. And so, okay. Wow, that's a really good example of <laughs> how something that can seem kind of an innocent kind of situation be kind of a, on this permanent yeah. track record. Okay. Wow. Um, has there been any focus uh, with your demographic you're serving uh, with uh, – vocational schools right yes. it seems like there's a lot of employment opportunity through the um you know some of the voca- different vocations around town we see a specific specifically with mechanics we see a lot of our young boys wanting to go into becoming auto mechanics okay and so we say if that's what your passion is go for it we don't mm-hmm. say just go to college a vocational mm-hmm. a vocational school is a good fit for a lot of people yeah well and you know it's funny i i, I see a lot of of the, the good paying jobs yes. around town uh, are, these days are, are still, you know, very foco- uh, vocational in, in general. And uh, um, a lot of focus on education is always, it seems to be like, well, okay, we're, you know, it's up here, um, it, you know, more the traditional, a more traditional college. And, um, and so, yeah, I just I thought it was worth the question because I think there's a lot of oppor- job opportunities yeah, in, that, and, in those fields. And we need a lot more people in those fields, honestly, because yes, yeah. I, I, I always tell them, like, if this is what you, this is your passion, then go for it. Yeah. And it just amazes me when I do talk to those young, and it's, there's some girls, too, who want to go into auto mechanics, just how talented, because I would know a lot of the stuff that they're saying, well, it's this gasket, it's this. I'm like, all right, if you say right. so, good. Yeah. good. I don't know mechanics at all. Good. So JJ, so you've talked about um, with the with being at the Idaho Commission of Hispanic Affairs that you know it's um, it's nonpartisan, yes. but you uh, you go out in the field, your impact, your 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 um, hearing from the the youth and just your community in general about some of the challenges mm-hmm. they're facing. You're reporting it back to yes. the the lieutenant governor and the governor. Um, have you seen things come back the other direction, right? So as you're reporting these things, you know, how do you feel like things, I mean, obviously that changes over the years, right? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, what's your view on, on, on that side of things? So we're very fortunate because we have legislators on our board of directors. So we have oh, okay. two Republicans and two um, Democrats that sit on our board. And so they are able to kind of help 
kind of stuff. We haven't had, I've been, we've been very fortunate and knock on wood that we've never had any kind of negative review when we've gone to these, do these town halls. Okay. Um, we get calls sometimes that say, oh, we're going to come to your, but we've never had anybody show up. And it could be that we always have also law enforcement there. So they probably see the law, um, the cars out outside. front. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. but cause we, like I said, we we really try to get law enforcement to be friends with our community. So, mm-hmm. um, we've been very fortunate that way. Um, We've had um, legislators that um, been appointed cause to our board who immediately like I don't want to be on that board and then they so they're not on our board. I mean we had one that I think lasted a day. He's like yeah. no I don't want to be serving on the Hispanic Commission so yeah. he asked to be put out right away. Do you know offhand? I'm, this is a curiosity sure. question for me. Is uh, like the size of the Hispanic community yes. in the state? I mean like it's close to two hundred thousand. Okay, um, and I that's based on the census. We believe that um, we're larger than that. We just sure. feel that there's a lot of people that do not answer the census because right. they're saying that we're at twelve percent. But I really feel that we're a lot larger just based on our travels. We see so many people. Right. And is it growing, shrinking? It's growing. It's the fastest growing community in the state, and we've seen certain. Um, communities that would have shrunk if it wasn't for the Hispanic community. Like, for mm. example, Aberdeen, you know, when Orida closed, a lot of those folks left, but the Hispanic community did stay. And so that's one of the reasons that their school was able to stay open. Mm. And same, I think, with, um, what's it called? That town right outside Mountain Home. Um, Near Mountain Home? Jerome? No. Glens Ferry. Glens Ferry, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah. And and they're coming because there's work here. Um, yeah, and a lot of them do end up commuting for work. Like okay. so, when Roberts, Idaho, for example, when we were there, it's such a tiny, tiny community. Um, but the majority of those folks would travel to Idaho Falls and Pocatello. But oh. because it's cheaper to live in Roberts, Roberts they go okay. back to Roberts. Right. Okay. And uh, where do you hope to see? You know, wh- what needs the most improvement? Do you think, or where do you hope to like continue to take things? The bigger, uh, what we need more with our community is civic engagement. We want to get people out there voting more. We don't, we're not going to tell you who to vote for or what to vote for, but get out there. But not only vote, we want to see more of our community people um, actually running for office. We want to see more of that. Sure. Um, for example, Wilder, you know, a couple years ago became the first all Latino city council with a mayor. Um, and they're 80% Hispanic community. And mm-hmm. it took them almost decades to even get, you know, a, like that they're 80 percent hispanic yeah and they ha- for the first time just now became an all latino city council is mm. it something to where you just need that one person to take that step forward and then people will eventually follow or how do you how do I you think, see that happen um, well i think there was a stronghold i, th- I think there's a lot of intimidation sure. going into that and then so i think what we have going for us is the Hispanic community here in Idaho, the majority of our community is 19 years and younger. Oh. So that's going to oh. be a pretty strong thing. So we're going to see a lot of, I think, more young people yeah. kind of hopefully going into um, wanting to go into politics. And then I think they're going to remember, too, how their parents and their grandparents have been yeah. treated by other people. Well, one thing I know about uh, politics, it's really hard for young people to go into in general mm-hmm. because, you know, there's not like there's a lot of pay. It's a very high demand jobs and many times well and it's 24-hour job really yeah right right <laughs> and but the the pay is often so low that it's like even yeah. if you have a job it gets it suffers on the side and so um i've seen a lot of younger people get you know say this is why retired people do this you yeah. know <laughs> right well and you know we, 
we really would love to see more going into the school boards, but and that's yeah. even the tougher. That's probably the toughest yeah. political job you can have because you're dealing with education and you're dealing with all sides from parents from everything. Mm-hmm. But it's also a very important job. Yeah. And so we would love to see more Hispanics sitting on school boards. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. JJ, what's, what's what's your backstory? So, um. I'm not. <laughs> so I'm from Elko, Nevada. Okay. And so I grew up there. My whole family's there. Everybody, all my brothers and sisters went to college and moved back, and that was my plan. But mm. then you're I the thought, black sheep of the family, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the one that said, "I love Boise. I'm going to stay in Boise." Yeah. Uh. As soon as I graduated, I got the job I'm at. So like, it took me a while to graduate. It took a couple of part-time semesters. So mm-hmm. um, I graduated in December and. I interviewed on my birthday for this job, and then I found out a couple of weeks later that I got it. And so, awesome! I've been there ever since, um, and I just love Boise. I um, yeah. So I try to um, be kind of a nosy, busybody everywhere in Boise. How in the eighteen years? How has your role and how has your your um, you know what so what my, surrounds you changed? My role was originally I was only going to be there um, temporarily. They're like, we just need somebody to come come and do some stuff from, sure. for until May, and I'm like, okay, you know, I was right out of college. I didn't have a yeah, job, I, so I'll take it. I'm <laughs> free. So yeah. I took it, and then probably a month into it, I'm like, this is going to be longer because they start giving me more and more um, mm. projects to do. Um, my job's changed quite a bit because we're a very small agency. We're an, an agency of three, oh, and one of wow. one person's a receptionist. So really, two of us are really the ones that are out there doing everything. So we wear multiple hats. Um, part of my job is to do the PR and communications for our office. Mm-hmm. And so um, I call us the little agency that can, because mm-hmm. uh, we are everywhere. We try well, to be everywhere. Right, you're and, covering uh, the whole state. There's just yeah. a couple of you. And um, so originally, I was just gonna focus on education with my job, and so it's kind of changed to do that I also focus on the substance abuse prevention and education. So oh, I sure. wear multiple hats. So kind of just varies day to day what I'm really focusing on. Sure. So I've heard this rumor about you're this, this Twitter superstar, but I think you, <laughs> I think you do, you uh, you uh, define that a little bit as we we're walking in because you, you did an Ignite Boise yes. um, presentation on that. But what tell us, give us that backstory. So. What's that all about? So when I got told that I was going to also be doing the PR and communications, I was like, oh, my gosh, because I didn't know <laughs> anything. I don't, you know, you guys are like communication people and I'm not. No, and we're so. not. This is just, <laughs> this is just a we're, facade. We're faking oh. it. <laughs> yes. And so Michelle Stark, a former um, KIVI reporter, um, I saw her at the Culture Center. I was telling her, so this is and she's just said, you should follow me on Twitter. And I'm like, what's Twitter? I didn't know what it was. So I started following. I created a Twitter account and followed her. And um and just little by little, I started getting more reporters. And if you look at my Twitter accounts, really a lot of reporters and politicians that follow me, mm-hmm. and then just local folks here. Um, but um, it's it's a great way for me to communicate. Sometimes I don't have to send out a press release. I just tweet yeah, things out. Yeah. And so we get folks there. Um, through that, I've gotten a lot of really good, um, I've been like Boise Weekly's Twitter, not first place, but I think I got like second place Twitter of the year one year. And what does that like mean? That. What does that People mean? People vote for like their favorite Tweet? Twi- yeah, for a favorite tw- tweet, you know. So, <laughs> the, the, per- the actual person, not yeah. the tweet itself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And so, um, and I think I lost to them. They, they oh, named themselves figure. number one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, wow, that's but a it's pretty a great, high honor. Yeah. yeah. So it's a great Coming opportunity. Coming from not, not knowing anything to yeah. getting stuff like that recognized. And so on Twitter, I've, you know, in my Ignite, I talk about the the swag that comes with it. You know, I'm, one time I tweeted that I broke my phone and somebody's like, hey, I have an extra phone so you can have it. Stuff like that. You know, <laughs> really? you get some like yeah. really cool um, things that you can get out of Twitter. 
So what was some of the advice you gave during your Ignite? To know your audience is the one I said. I said, do you want to be Kate Winslet famous or do you want to be Snooki famous from Jersey Shore? Uh And I said, neither one is wrong. You just need to know if you're going to be Kate Winslet famous, don't be posting things like that Snooki would be posting. Right. And so that was my big go away. And then to use it to your advantage, use your Twitter to advantage and to communicate. Um, I had a friend, I used a little bit foul language in my presentation, but she's an accountant and she was like, okay, I'm going to get on Twitter. I'm going to do this. And I had to tell her, I'm like, okay, all you're tweeting about is accounting. Nobody cares. No. I said, you have to respond to people. You need to, you know, so. Engage them. And then when you do have, you know, some kind of special for your office that you want to, like for taxis or whatever, then tweet it out and they'll be like, oh, I remember her because, you know, we've been communicating. So communication is very key. Responding to folks. Yeah. Yeah. Tweeting about insurance. Accounting. accounting. Yeah, I would unfollow that so <laughs> yeah, quickly. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, because that's all she wanted to talk about. And I'm like, you have to engage people. So what are you often tweeting about most often? Well, currently Hispanic Heritage Month because yes. um, okay. that starts on Saturday. Okay. And so we're going to be kicking that off um, in Jerome um, mm. this year. And so we're going to, that's what I've been tweeting about is like Hispanic Heritage Month is officially going to start in Idaho. The, the governor has proclaimed it Hispanic Heritage Month September 15th through October 15th. Mm. I mean, um, just sending shout outs to all our sponsors for our youth summit and our workshop presenters and talk about them. And then again, responding to folks about different things that they post. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, we've been speaking with uh, JJ Saldana and uh, he's uh, with the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs, a very small department as yes. you described. We're the little agency that can. Yeah. Um, covering the whole state with just a couple of people, um, but they, um, they, they're out there um, at, and focused on their community, the Hispanic community, and uh, and also taking back what they've learned and ways they're trying to help uh, that community, and they take that back to the governor and lieutenant governor, and um, and you've been there 18 years, which is really impressive <laughs> uh, in this day and age, right? For any job, yes, yeah. And so it sounds like I'm, I'm, you having all that experience. I'm sure that's quite valuable to that that little agency that could, you know, that can, that can, that can, <laughs> that can. yes. Um, Wow. So what's so what's next? What's on the horizon? So hopefully, some rest after our next youth summit. You know, have, having all those high school students can wear you out after a day of just having them running around and right. whatnot. So um, after the holidays, we start preparing for a legislative session, mm. and so and then we'll host a legislative reception where we'll invite all legislators, and then we release a lot more data on our popula- the latest data on our population, okay. and um, th- I think that's the next big event after this. Well, JJ, it's been uh, it's been great having you here. It's been great learning about your organization, and uh, I'm sure they're very lucky to uh, your community is lucky to have you um, there. At oh, thank you. Running, you know, going out there and uh, doing all you can um, for uh, your community, and um, and for more information about your organization, um, it's the website is icha.idaho.gov. Correct. Correct. Okay. Great. One more awesome. time. It's icha.idaho.gov. We'll, of course, post this on idahospeakeasy.com. I'll tweet about it. And, <laughs> yes, yeah, right. And look for JJ's tweets because it sounds like it's frequent and very popular. Okay. <laughs>